Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! I must admit, I was probably a little, I wasn't shocked, but I mean, you know, the fact that he bought and he bet so much, you know, close to, you know, a billion dollars, Mickelson, now you know why he ran to live, um, you know, but we knew that anyway. And, you know, the idea that he called, uh, i.e. Billy Walters, you know, a guy who was in jail, uh, called Billy Walters to place a bet when he was at Medina uh, and the Ryder Cup, uh, $400,000. I bet he would have lost, by the way. And maybe he found a place to uh, place it. Obviously, Medina uh, is where the Europeans came from 10-6 down on that Sunday afternoon a couple of years ago, more than a couple of six, seven years ago, maybe even longer than that. And Mickelson was on the U.S. team. And the fact that he may have called Billy Walters to get a bet in for him and Billy Walters um, did not um, get the bet and said, what are you, nuts? Uh, you know, and then didn't really know if Mickelson bet anywhere else. I mean, I, I mean, this is what the, I mean, and I love Katane. Norman wrote the book, uh, and I guess with him. And I'm a big, you know, Katane's a great journalist and a great, but uh, I mean, do you really care? I mean, are, are we that wrapped up on what Phil Mickelson bet or did not bet? Oh, he bet, uh, you know, uh, 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 whatever the amounts were. I mean, I forget, $100,000. He bet it 900 times, and then he bet $100,000, another 100000 Another. Who cares? I mean, all right. We knew Mickelson had a major gambling uh, problem. He addressed it in the past. Uh, we have, we have, it's not news. I mean, you know, the adrenaline rush, we all speculated that maybe one of the reasons why he ran to live is because they, you know, they gave him a windfall of a fortune, uh, which, you know, maybe covered some of those gambling debt losses. We all thought that was possible and not so much because Phil was trying to quote unquote change golf. I mean, that it may be more just of a financial scenario where, you know, geez, I'm broke. I've lost a fortune. I owe this guy money, that guy money, the casino's money. Let me go out there and uh, get involved with these guys and they can, you know, give me $200 million up front and I get these bets and these debts taken care of. I, I Maybe, I mean, that might be part of it. Uh, but I mean, I, I knew all this anyway. I mean, I, you know, I knew that Mickelson and there was all sorts of rumors, maybe not to the extent, but there were all sorts of rumors about how much Mickelson uh, bet with Walters and the bookies and with his teams, baseball games and football games. And I may have not known the spo- the sto- the um, uh, the scope of it, but I don't I don't know if you can base a book on Billy Walters, who nobody cares about. Nobody. There is nobody in America. If Billy Walters did not have a relationship uh, with Mickelson, that was a negative relationship based on, you know, gossip. And, you know, that's, I'm, I'm true, but gossip. Do you think anybody would be picking up a Billy Walters book? I mean, I just, I, I don't see it. I mean, do you think anybody out there would race to their bookstore or their Kindles or their phone to read uh, or go to the pit thing that was on the, uh, you know, the website to look at who cares about Billy Walters? You know, he was in prison and, you know, maybe he could have prevented his uh, his daughter's suicide. So we're going to blame that on Mickelson too? I mean, I, I, I again, I, I probably raised an eyebrow at the amount of money. 
You know, doesn't shock me that he wanted to bet the Ryder Cup. Now, there's no proof that he made that bet just because he called Walters and said that I, you know, put $400,000 on us to win. I mean, that's a, you know, big time no-no, but the bet wasn't placed. And there's no, it's he said, she said. So there's no, you know, I don't think there's phone records to say that. I, I don't know, even know what the PJ Tours rules. I'm sure they got very big anti-gambling rules. I don't know what, in fact, that might mean. I don't know if it's like baseball with Rose, uh, but, um, you know, uh, and I know Walter said, Phil, have you heard of Pete Rose? What are you doing calling me about that for? Uh, but as, again, I can't, I've gone through the Rose a thousand times. There's a big difference, folks, as I've said a thousand times. There's a huge difference between doing what Rose or Andor Mickelson did and doing what the 1919 Black Sox did. I mean, I, to, to sit there and claim there are no differences is absolutely absurd. Now, that doesn't mean it's right. It's it's and nobody's saying that betting on your team to win if you're Rose managing the Reds or if you're Mickelson on the U.S. Ryder Cup team in Medina. Nobody is trying to say that that's a good thing. All right. Nobody. But to sit there and talk about, you know, CCNY and Ernie Cobb and then, of course, you know, Ronald Rothstein. Uh, or, uh, not, not, not Ronald Rothstein. What was his first name? Uh, Audie Roth, Arthur Roth. I forget his uh, uh, I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, uh, Rothstein there uh, in Arthur, I think it was Arthur, uh, in the in the 1919 Black Sox. I mean, that's totally something complete. I mean, the Black Sox lost on purpose. The pitchers went out there and stunk. Seacott and, of course, uh, Claude Williams. They went out there to lose games on purpose. I mean, uh, you know, CCNY, I mean, they, they shaved points. They didn't go out there to lose the game, but they kept the point spread in line, which is totally out of line. Didn't give their fullest on a uh, basket-by-basket, minute-by-minute basis. That's no good. Mickelson, is, his hubris decides to go out there and bet his team to win. There's a complete, it's such a big difference. And if you think there isn't, you're nuts. I don't think, now listen, I don't like it, don't get me wrong, because obviously if you're a Rose, you can misuse pitchers to secure a win that you need. I understand the negatives, but I look, up, I look upon the gambling thing much worse if, in fact, you bet on yourself or bet on a team to lose uh, that you're involved with instead of, instead of betting, you know, did, I mean, did Mickelson bet on the Europeans in 2000, whatever that year was? No way. He didn't bet on the Europeans. He bet on the United States if he bet. And he, you know, who knows if he did, he denied it. And, you know, he probably didn't bet. He probably did call, thought better of it, had nowhere else to go to place a $400,000 bet. And he made no other inquiries from that. So there's no proof that the fact that he called Walters and did it, who knows? So we don't know that. But I, I can't, you know, again, Mickelson's not a choir boy. This does some damage to him. I don't want to hear him about now that, you know, he's the Arnold Palmer of golf. And he's, you know, he went to live to change and get back at the PJ. No, this makes you think he went to live to recover and to uh, eliminate a lot of gambling debt based on the amount of times. He bet $100,000 on teams. It was about 1,000 times, 900 times. It was ridiculous, the amount. But to listen to Billy Walters chirp about it, do, you, do I really? And I guess Walters has a vendetta because he didn't go out and testify in his defense with insider trading. So Walters gets back at him and, you know, he, he, he's going to kill him. But I, I, I'm not interested in Billy Walters. To me, he's that. Eh, all right, Billy, well, who cares? I, never heard, I would never have heard of him if he didn't have Mickelson.
So I pay no attention to it. So that's the first thing that I mean, I, I, I it's curious. The amounts are staggering, uh, but I'm not surprised. Uh, I knew Mickelson had this in him, quote unquote. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when Mark Canazaro and a lot of folks ran into Mickelson this past weekend at the live event in Bedminster, New Jersey, and they asked the fans about Mickelson, they all said the same thing. I could care less. I knew he bet. What difference does it make? They all said the same thing. Every single one of them. I come here to watch him. I enjoy watching him. I mean, he bet on he, he wanted to bet on the Ryder Cup. Who cares? With all the gambling that is in society today, with everybody throwing a bet down on something, everybody. Thought even Tory bets on everything, uh, parlays, over unders, uh, you know, uh, NF uh, everything. Everybody bets. Everybody bets. Am I that worried about Mickelson betting a lot of money? I it's not that important to me. It really isn't. And again, um, I doubt very seriously Mickelson is going out there betting on himself to lose. Where he's going out there and, uh, you know, it's too competitive. Was he going to hit the ball? Was he going to miss putts on purpose? I, I, nobody, nobody buys that. So to me, it's a bunch of I, nonsense, a little strong, but it's not that big a deal. And I think it will have a very short shelf life. Because we all know Mickelson had a problem to begin with from a gambling standpoint. So that is uh, item number one today. Item number two uh, is the preseason in football. Uh, I try to watch a couple games. I mean, I try to put it on when there's a game on just to get a little feel. But, boy, I tell you, it's tough. And I'm glad to see Hamlin play this week for Buffalo. I guess he got – I'm sure he got medical clearance. You know, it is weird to see a kid – who essentially was, you know, died on the field and then revived by that great Buffalo training staff to go out there, you know, essentially six, seven months later making tackles as a safety. I mean, whatever, was he, as he a defensive back or a safety? Whatever he is, as a DB, I mean, it is a little strange. I mean, geez, this is the guy that was, you know, that the nation was mourning last year for a couple of days. Um, Last January 2nd, 3rd, 4th, right around that period. So it is a little strange. But, I mean, you wish the quarterbacks would play a little something in these games. I mean, you really do. And if I was a team, especially if I had a young quarterback, you know, Bryce Young played, you know, basically, I think he played three series. Uh, You know, uh, the kid for Stroud from Houston played a series or two against New England. I mean, Rodgers didn't play. He's not going to. Nobody else played. I mean, you know, Justin Fields played a little bit for the Bears. I, 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 you know, I don't need the old days where, you know, Bart Starr, they had six exhibition games and Starr, you know, basically played three of them. I don't need that. That's a waste of time. But you sure wish uh, that they played a little bit in, in training camp. So the season when it starts on three weeks from Thursday, and that's the opening week with the Lions in Kansas City, uh, you'd like to think that the teams are raring to go and September is not essentially another month of training camp. And I think the teams and the coaching staffs uh, with the propensity of injury, if you ever lose a quarterback or a big star in preseason football in a game that doesn't count, you you know, you can control the hitting in joint practices at your training facility. You put a red shirt on a quarterback. You can you can control that. When guys are fighting to get a job in the NFL, you know, some eighth-round pick out of North Dakota State or seventh-round pick out of North Dakota State, there's not eight rounds, uh, you know, who wants to go out there and, you know, make a name for himself and go after and have a sack, quarterback sack, you can't, you can't put a red shirt on him during the games. But, boy, oh, boy, I sure wish they play a little bit 
because we have discussed this before and we discuss it a lot, and we do all the time. Without the quarterbacks in the NFL, the games are unwatchable. Nobody wants to see a game of backup quarterbacks. Now, I don't know what the solution is, because if you ever play somebody, if the Jets played Rodgers, and, you know, he somehow in an innocent play got hurt, and, again, you're not going to put him out there and, you know, uh, not put anybody in protection where he doesn't have anybody blocking for him and something that you would do in a season and put seven or five receivers out in a pattern. You wouldn't do that here. But, boy, the exhibition season is a complete – and it's it's still too long. I mean, he's still got four weeks – he's still got three and a half weeks to go before you get to week one. Uh, it's just, uh, and I can, I can't, I don't care what, I don't care if Zach Wilson's throwing three yard completions. I could care less. Okay. A little bit with the rookies who are barely played anyway. I know Richardson played, I guess, a little bit, a little bit with the rookies, but boy, those first couple weeks in the NFL regular season are going to be tough to watch based on so much inactivity all summer long. And this has been going on for a while. It's almost like September is a continuation of training camp. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog's Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.